Here comes the biggest news ever. Trek Off the Motion Picture is available on Amazon Prime. That's right. The movie version of the podcast you're listening to. An actual movie. A motion picture on Amazon Prime. Available in the United States and the UK. Just go on Amazon and search for Trek Off. The word Trek Off. One word. And you can watch us. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can you can like rent us or buy us. We're available on DVD on Amazon. But like streaming on Amazon Prime. And listen, please watch because it really helps us out. And share it. Give us good reviews. And share it on your Facebook page stuff, man. I'm just excited. Check out the motion picture. Warning. The following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off. Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Drag Off. My name is Justin, and uh, Alexia is not here today. Uh, she's actually here. She's actually like here, at, like she's right next to the show. Can can she? Uh, um, secret person on the other. Can I just hear a raspy hi from Alexia real quick? Can you say something? Just say raspy she's hi. Shaking she's shaking her head. She's shaking her head. Um, um, you well, got, she, but but she is enthusiastically supportive of 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 this that we're um, doing. Yeah, so uh, spoil. I guess I, I was gonna like introduce you like it was a big like like who's our special guest? As if the name of the show like when I post it doesn't say who you are. Um, this is this is this is a gentleman um, against whom I have actively campaigned to keep the mic out of his hands. Um, uh, this is somebody who with, I have good gone, reason. I have gone to great lengths to to stop from speaking on the show. It started as a joke, and then it was really just better that way. Um, but uh, today, uh, um, the sad fact is, is that is that nature has stepped in and given my my illustrious co-host um, the plague, and uh, and and in 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 that in that uh, she has been hit in the hit in the throat like the opponent of Van Dam. Um, I have gotten the next best thing to her. Um, um, what the Bible would say oh. is what the Bible is say, would say is one flesh with her, which means you should also have the plague. Unfortunately, nature has not been so kind, and we have given us you. Um, yeah, I'm the, like the thing next to her. I don't know about the next best. I'm the thing you, next you, to her. Really, you're, you're like what? The, what's that character from uh, from Total Recall? Like Watto? <laughs> that's you. <laughs> oh, wow, that's um, horrifying. Uh, climbing out of her chest um so uh so uh this is mr a um um uh mr hello mr a welcome to trek off welcome to trek off hello brave new world thank you um uh lots to talk about today mostly i want to talk about uh about the perspective that you bring to it because uh you've you've sat by for uh i was looking the other day nigh on five years of trek off Coming up. a decade we're coming half up a, on half of a decade hundreds of hours and uh you have sat next to probably a good like 30 40 percent of it while it was happening um, i mean i think that's that's probably a conservative estimate i mean certainly the first half of our run you were there although sleeping for much of it sometimes uh, i would sleep yeah i mean yeah, you know it was late and i had and, to work 
and 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 of late uh of late we've been recording when you weren't around um that's true yes that's true but, but you've been there um uh the uh the co-producer in our movie originally was going to be do- co-director and then and then uh stepped in and said and said hey justin you direct because you know you've done that and i'm like okay right. sure i'll do that um so uh but has been there every step of the way from step one um if you've corresponded with us on facebook you've most likely corresponded with him um whereas on twitter it's probably been carmen um uh but this is this is the unseen uh the 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 i was gonna say the seedy underbelly but that's not what i mean um this is <laughs> this is the engine that's, that helps to run oddly enough, that's probably more accurate though <laughs> Um, you have a unique perspective, though, in that while a Trek fan, my understanding is that your first real dedicated time through Trek has been while the show's been going on. I mean, um, I got into Star Trek as an adult. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I I got into Star Trek after Alexi and I got married. Um, yeah, sure. You know, and I mean, we were young when we got together, but um but yeah, it, it it was not something that I grew up with. Um, so I have a different kind of Trek experience from a lot of fans out there. Um, so and and, that, and, yeah, and and you were you were handheld through it. I mean, you were you were led through it by by the Aragorn of Star Trek in your house, it, um, <laughs> your own personal Star Trekider. Yes, um, leading you through. Um, so I want to back up a little and uh, and uh, tell us uh, how how did you meet uh, how did you meet uh, our fair co house how, how did that oh, happen? Wow. That's that's a story, man. Do you want me to get into it? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's okay. it's you know people so, people we never really talk about us. We just talk about us talking about things. So yeah, how 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 did that happen? I'm curious. Sure. So I was a you know a young sort of hapless teenager in high school and um didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life so when I graduated I didn't go into college I just went straight into the workforce and uh kind of was throwing my life away on really degenerate behavior and at one point just kind of woke up and was like I'm going to get a haircut and I'm going to get a real job and so I did those things um like they say in the song um and I got a job at a company called Cox Communications Ah uh, you said Cox I yes um I did indeed. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got a job there and um, actually like did really well and eventually like got onto the escalation line, which is so. So when you call into like Cox or you call into Verizon or wherever and you ask to speak to a supervisor, even when you get onto the phone with somebody you think is a supervisor, it's never really a supervisor. It's just like the poor schlub who did good at his job and got rewarded with like being on the complaint line. So that was me for a while. And I got to know this young lady, uh, through like, just be like, you know, she worked there and we would wind up on the phone together I, all the time. I was going to say, was like, she complaining a lot. Like she just, no, no, no. she just like, I mean, first of all, like we worked there, like when they were going through their massive fiber upgrade and when they were like ripping right. out copper and laying down. Fi- so it was like awful. And I, I remember one time that like, the Pope was coming to town or something and like people didn't have cable and like Catholics everywhere were fucking flipping out and it was a nightmare. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, she would escalate calls to me probably, you know, two or three a day or whatever. And we would like, you know, exchange pleasantries and then, you know, it became kind of flirtation or whatever. And then I like, I, but I had no idea who, like who this person was we worked in the same building, but I didn't know who she was. Right. Like I did, we didn't like pass each other. We sat in different areas. And then, like, we were in a meeting one day, and this this uh, fucking douchebag vice president was, like, telling us about, you know, how we have to put the customer first or blah, blah, blah or whatever. And, like, this woman in the meeting just, like, completely called him out and was like, that's that's BS because you measure us by 
how quickly we get them off the phone. And so like, we're told from one side to do this thing. And now you're telling us to do this other thing, which is it? And I was like, Whoa, who is this? Who is this person? I need to get to know this person. She's awesome. And so, um, started talking with her and you know, one thing leads to another. We've like spend hours in the car, like in the parking lot after work, just like the hours just kind of melt away. Um, you turn around, like the sun is coming up. Literally we're like, we leave work and we're in the parking lot until the sun comes up. Um, just talking and it, it, it was just, you know, like sparks immediately. Like within months we were engaged within a, like a little over a year we were married and we just celebrated 14 years in October. So, Oh, that's great. Well, I mean, first of all, um, there's this very famous, uh, um, scene when the Beatles first played and they said to John, you know, John Lennon was married to Cynthia Lennon at the time. They said, sorry, ladies, he's married. Um, I know, <laughs> <laughs> that there are listeners out there who who have probably crushed on your wife, and that's part of you know part of the deal of having a yeah. a, a beautiful wife in the entertainment industry. It's just you gotta kind of got to deal with that being the case. Um, but now they're all gonna think, yeah, but what a good guy he is. Which they're all like, fuck this guy. But also he's oh my sweet. gosh, I get that all the time. My brother in law, um, like fuck Daryl. It's like like seriously, I'm the, I'm fucking up the bell curve for my my two brothers in law. <laughs> Alexi has got three sisters they're all now married and all of their husbands fucking hate my guts uh oh i couldn't hate your guts so let me let me ask you a question <laughs> so so you uh you are you know people in this area in the washington dc area know you um as being uh a a performer and and creator of theater um was that a background for you at all or did 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 she draft you into it because i know it's something that she's always kind of wanted to do what's the yeah what's i mean the so i i dabbled in theater in high school a little bit um but i didn't really didn't get into it until um until i got you know, together with Alexia and we started working on like just local community theater shows together. Um, I typically stay off the stage. Like I'll MC an event sometimes. Like if I'm doing, I'll do open mic nights um, where like we do storytelling and we do like live poetry and, you know, cool shit like that. And I'll, and I'll MC the event or I'll like have singers come in like vocalists and we'll do like, you know, a night of, you know, different songs or whatever. And that's, and I'll like introduce them and do a little bit of like, you know, work in the crowd or whatever, but like, I, I am not a performer. I don't memorize lines. I don't, I don't do that. That's just not my shtick. So I huh. prefer to stay behind the scenes and, and create a space where other people can tell their stories and, 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 you know, kind of do their art. Well, before we get into all the good Star Trek stuff we're going to talk about, um, this is a great place to plug, man. So, so what, uh, I, I mean, I know what you're working on, uh, and, and, and where you are, but there's a, you are, you are heading up a thing that's really, really cool and is constantly fucking putting stuff out. So, uh, tell, tell the world, especially anybody here in the living, like in the Washington DC area who, uh, who sees us, so, what they're missing if they don't travel to where you are. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I chair the arts council here in Clifton and, uh, we have a thing called Clifton's got drama. And I, so, like I said, I do, you know, these open mic nights storytelling. I've had, you know, bands come in like singer songwriter duos and, uh, vocalists and, um, some really awesome storytellers and poets come in and, you know, we just put together a night and I'll, I've done some one act plays. We've done, um, original, original plays. So if there are playwrights in the DC area or even not, um, you know, you can find us on Facebook, Clifton's got drama, um, C L I F T O N. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, I just got roped into doing a fringe show next year. So cool. we're doing, yeah. Um, so producing a show for the fringe, this is a, an adaptation of a previous play that I've produced twice. Um, it's, it's been like 
modified from a four person show into a one person show um, just for simplicity. But it, what it's done to the story is really, really kind of cool. Um, this is something that your listeners have already heard of uh, the quantum suicide of Sophie Miller. Um, but oh, it's really? now being, yeah, it's now being done as a, a one woman show. Um, and so we're bringing and that. Who would the, that woman be? That would be Alexia. Yeah, we're bringing really? that. How yeah, we're bringing that. Yes, we're bringing that to Fringe 2017. So, so if in 2017, if you want to come to the Washington D.C. area, it was beautiful, and all the fucking museums are free, you can then also come see. First of all, like a billion fucking awesome, weird, strange things. And if you want to see naked people, it's like the one place where all the naked, all the actors decide I'm going to go naked in this thing. So yeah, I don't like, think Alexi is going to get no, naked. She's not going to get naked, but you know what I mean? There seems to be a lot of nudity at the fringe festival. That's just, I mean, saying. yeah, it happens, you more know, more than so. usual, more than, more than like at Safeway. Yes. Um, okay. So, uh, moving into star Trek, um, uh, I do know that you, um, just completed your first time through a dedicated, rewatch what was it of the next generation or was the original series that you just finished um the last the last season the last that i the last series that i finished watching like a dedicated watch through would be the original series all right but i'll be honest with you alexia watched season seven of next gen recently yeah i i caught a couple of those um my i I, you know so i i don't have a whole lot of recent trek watching but i there's and you're you're coming on the heels of our of our of our three really should have been four part series on season seven right um, okay. where people just listen to to three glorious hours of us talking about season seven of star trek next generation I'm, but i'm fairly well versed with season with uh, the original series as it is my favorite of the star treks um and 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 it would have to be because because otherwise you would either be divorced or dead um <laughs> <laughs> or just um, a or, or just a browbeaten husband or, or, or and, and given that given and given that I know that she would never divorce you, I'm saying dead is probably the most likely. I see it going something like this. You know, I think I'm starting to warm up to Voyager. Thunk, dead, gone. I think that's it. Yeah, um, that would never happen. Yes, um, uh, Voyager is awful, so speaking, that would never happen. Speaking of which, that's yeah, my yeah it is some kind of awful though. Really, um, uh, you know, um, we've had disagreements over the time. I, I still have a soft spot in my heart for Voyager. And I think the reason why, and, I, and I'm kind of coming to terms as to why this is the case, I think is because it's still 24th century Trek, which is the Trek I like the best. And I think that, I think that, that you, it's, it's easy enough to lump Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager all together because their costumes look the same and the music sounds the same and the, and the you know, computer terminals look the same. You know what I mean? It's like easy to lump it together as 24th There's century Trek. some kind of continuity happening yeah um um and 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 mostly a visual and somewhat tonal continuity happening between them um and so i think the reason i i've I've talked to alexia at length about how the original series is hard for me because in the same way that sometimes theater is hard for me in that um that you have to see past this the cardboard sets for the original series like you have to look past it and go yeah you you have to like come up with some sort of suspension of disbelief and and say and say sometimes it was the 60s it was a different time the acting style is different than we're used to now the music's different that you have you have to go you have to do an acknowledgement in your head of this is a tv show and knowing that then i'm willfully suspending my disbelief um yeah Yeah. you have to make a forgiveness of some kind 
What was great about the next gen era is that it was airing at the same time as the original series movies, and so it held itself sort of up to that standard. Even including Voyager with some glorious effects and some glorious, like like visuals and stuff like that. And 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 in the way it was shot, it was all sort of the the stepchild of the Nicholas Meyer um, Star Trek film universe, um, yeah. and it all sort of was the same. Um, and then, so really, the 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 fight that Alexi and I have been in over you know years and years is what is worse, Enterprise and Voyager. And I really think it's apples to oranges there in that case because for me, Voyager is better because it's still whatever it's doing wrong, it's still familiar enough. Um, and you know, Enterprise she could probably argue was better because it it is at least trying to do something different. Yeah, and and I I mean I I think it has stronger writing in a lot of ways. It doesn't rely on you know some crutches kind of, and ticks and some, oh well, let, let's be clear, it totally does rely on crutches and ticks until season three, um, and then season three and season four. So I I don't know how much you know about the behind the scenes of Enterprise, but uh, Berman and Braga um uh started um backing off on season three, and they brought in a man named Manny Cotto who's best known for running 24 and okay. he was kind of the showrunner of enterprise season three sort of with them. Was that and then like was the, the temporal cold war that was happening? Well, the temporal cold war was from episode one of enterprise. That's like from that's, that's the whole first three series, but the Zindi arc specifically is season three. Okay. And then season four, Berman and Braga ra- like backed off and that's where the strongest episodes are until the final episode, which was which written by Berman and Braga. A giant steaming dump in the face of yeah. any fan of enterprise. Sadly. Um, so, so I, I liked, I, I have a real hard time with seasons one and two. I think it's a lot of it's boring as fuck. I think it it isn't you know a a catastrophe the way that that Voyager can be, but it's just Dullsville for me. Um, but season three I like, and then season four I think they're starting to do something really kind of special and different. Um, and then of course it was t- taken. So, yeah. um, so that being the case, I've, I gotta say I'm stoked for for what's coming next on television. Sort of. I mean, uh, there's stuff to uh, talk about. There's I stuff- mean. There's stuff. I don't know. There's yeah. There's I mean. There's there's news. Um, and I guess we'll talk about it. And and you can talk to Alexia offline about it. But um, there's not great news about this show. Um, recently. Really. Yeah. Um. Well, lay it on me, dude. Yeah. Well, sure. Uh, well, before we leave Voyager, um, and we'll come back to the news. But I do have something to share. Um, this is from oh. our good. This is from our good friend uh, Michael Santos Sandoval, um, who sent this to us. It's not from him. He didn't make this. Uh, uh, um, somebody named Jogwheel made this uh, on YouTube, and I suggest you go seek it out and promote it to everyone as they have asked you to do. Um, but uh, what I'm going to play for you is just uh, I'm going to play you 60 seconds of. Um, it's called some kind of Star Trek, and it's uh, what happens when uh, when you get into a tick. Um, in writing and a crutch in writing this is the use of the words uh, some kind of some type of and some sort of in Star Trek Voyager I'll just let it go for a good 45 seconds on its own you'll see what I'm talking about 
to be observing some kind of problem. Some kind of problem. Some kind of a problem. Some kind of communications problem. Some kind of communications device. Some form of communication. Some type of communication. This is some kind of alien communication. Some kind of alien. Oh, Lord. Some type of alien. Some sort of alien. Some I mean, really. Some kind of corporeal alien. Some kind of... <laughs> some kind of... Alien writing? Some Rip kind of device. Some kind of federation <laughs> weapon. Some kind of super weapon. Some sort of... Weapon. It's some just kind of nuts. Weapon, some kind of weapon. Some kind of weapon. Some kind of weapon. Some kind it's of like weapon. It's like a like a lazy writer's technique of some weapon. sort. Some kind of an electromagnetic <laughs> life form. Some kind of bioelectric interference. Some kind of interference. Some kind of interference. Some kind of interference. Some kind of interference signal. Some kind of signal. Some kind of a signal. Some kind of transwarp. All right, now what you just listened to was about forty seconds of this ten minute and thirty three second <laughs> supercut. Yeah. It goes um, on, and there's a bonus section if you if you actually can stick it out like through. You you get I, you're probably about seven minutes in, and it goes to a bonus section where it's blank blank of some kind of some sort of some type. Um, yeah. So he he flips it, and it's it's it kind of just lays bare the you know the weakness of the writing on that show. Um, I mean, it, yeah, and it's it's. You know, I I have been in a movie where I had to say the words, you know, it's an enclosure of some sort. Um, right. Yeah. I, you know, oh, and it's I a, joke. I it's lovingly a hard joke about fucking that. thing to say. First of all, it's a hard thing to say as an actor. Um, but you can you imagine, like, like, because it's a, it's a hard thing to fucking say and a hard thing to justify when you're doing it. Yeah. Can you can you imagine? They, this guy said uh, in his research that there are only ten episodes where somebody doesn't say this. Out of 170 fucking episodes. Yeah, seven seasons. Um, it's it's insane. And and you know that that I will say speaks to the actors, right? Like for being able to stomach it and actually, you know, deliver it in a somewhat believable way. But it, throughout all this, the Star Trek and sci-fi that I watch, I you know I call that out lovingly. Like you know when they when they use jargon, it's like oh, it's the jargon with the jargon jargon. Yeah, you but know? I'm okay with the jargon. A transdimensional I portal. I Whatever. almost I almost like the jargon. What some what, what the word some kind of does is it adds this this depth and dimension and also excuses you from having to explain it. Like yes, like you, it, is, you, it is absolutely a cop out and it's chicken shit, right? You can't just ask the alien ask if the aliens can communicate. It's like do the aliens have some sort of device with which they can communicate? You know? It's yeah. it's it, or yeah. you, or you say it's some kind of signal, pseudo intellectualism. Never, or, or you just say it's some kind of signal, and you never have to go. Where's the signal coming from? What is it? You've said it's some kind of, and mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything else. It's fine. Yeah, what, pay no attention to that. Yeah, Captain, that don't, don't you, don't you want to, don't you want to know what? No, it's some kind of, some sort of disruption up. field. Why do you shut the some kind of fuck up? Okay. <laughs> so so um so yeah uh that's voyager and you know i think that that voyager i will say this voyager is um is overly comfortable with what it's doing and i think it's a huge problem with voyager yes it's that it's 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 very confident that it's doing something great um and i will say this out of voice so so here's the thing you can say i think there's a ratio of bad to good on all the shows i would say you know alex you would say you know if you look at the original series you'd go ratio of bad zero to good 100 which i don't think is the case i think there are stinkers in the original series but i would say your your ratio of bad to good you know 
is is probably you know let's say two you know two to eight um or one one out of every one, no, it's not, one, that's not even four. one out of six is bad and most of those are in the third season when the when the when the, when the studio started controlling what they were doing um i would say that for next gen you could say you know it's probably one out of six as well most of them focused in the first two seasons with a bit in the seventh you know ds9 i would say is probably has much more standard of like good quality but i would say if you look at the first couple seasons you're still going to get a like a one to seven i think the problem with voyager is it's easy to go voyager fucking sucks i would say voyager has a a, a like a bad to good ratio of probably like two to three um i would say three out of every five episodes are probably pretty okay but like like that's a fucking d minus that's a fucking d minus i i think that there are more bad episodes than good episodes and and i think the ratio is probably it's a matter matter of how you define good let me redefine good passable i think there are that like out of every five episodes yeah i guess it does depend on how low your bar is three three are fine two are not and of the three that are fine, one is good. And there are lots of good Voyager episodes. There's probably, Easy I would now. say, simmer, simmer down. I, I would say that there <laughs> is probably combined a very good season of Voyager. Lots like, is, yeah, so one seventh. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. coming out and, but, and I think, and, and honestly, I think that's being very generous. Uh, you know, any episodes that are focused on like the Doctor. And some of the episodes focused on Seven of Nine are watchable. Oh, I think Someone to Watch Over Me is great. I think Year of Hell is really good. I think that uh, I think Workforce says some really interesting things. I say that uh, that um, I think Tuvix is a really interesting episode. Now I can yes, watch that. Tuvix, all Tuvix is compelling. Um, I don't. Um, I don't necessarily. And 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 that that's a that's an episode of Star Trek that will start fights. And that's and and to me that's that's real Star Trek. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a a divisive and compelling episode of Star Trek. Um, yeah. I think, I think and, that there uh, are of science fiction and you know what I mean? Like the broader realm of science fiction that absolutely rises above. It is a, a an outstanding episode. They also have, uh, they also, I think one of their Q episodes is spectacular. Um, death not wish the one with his kid though. No, no, not that one. No, I'm talking death. I'm th- talking the first one where he comes back and there's the Q who wants to commit suicide. In that one, it deals with t- the topic of euthanasia, and at the same time, the way they present the Q continuum, Q continuum as a as like a dusty road where everything has always already been done. I think it's it's compelling. There's 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 some good stuff in there, um, and I think the other problem is is that is that often their B plot is shitty. And I've been listening to, uh, of course. Um, Upper Pylon Two, which is uh, the Delta Quadrant spinoff podcast, yes, um, and they, you know, they're discussing a lot of DS Nine, which I love, and often DS 9s A plots are really, really good, but then their B plots um, get problematic. So the A plot will be this really compelling thing with Kai Win, and the B plot will be Miles plays darts, you know, and, <laughs> and 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 sometimes it's it's you know, and I think the Voyager the problem is is sometimes they will have very compelling A plots. And then the problem with Voyager is that the characters were never allowed to grow, yep. change, evolve, anything, or be interesting. And I said it's it's really hard for fucking Voyager to compete because if you look at fucking DS9 airing at the same time, every member of DS9 is somehow magically the most important member of their species. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, yeah. Like, like where 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 Worf 
at some point, despite being a lieutenant in Starfleet, lieutenant commander, somehow for just a short amount of time is the leader of the Klingon people, even if it's right. only for two minutes. And Odo is the most important member of the changelings. And Kira, despite just being essentially second command of the station, is one, like super good friends with the emissary, two, dating the leader of Bajor, and three, the mortal enemy of the spiritual leader of Bajor. You know, um yep. you know, like like and it just it goes all the way down the line. Quark's brother becomes Grand Nagus. <laughs> just like, like yeah. every every single fucking character is important and kind of has powers. If you think about it, by the end, like Cisco is a god and Kira is a terrorist and Odo is a shape changer and Quark is a master criminal and schemer and knows everything. He's kind of the guy who knows everything. And fucking Jake is, is I guess Jake's a writer, but okay. Um, O'Brien is an electronics whisperer, tech uh, yeah, whisperer. Yeah, O'Brien can do anything to anything. Um, you know, Ju and even he's kind of the normal guy, so we'll let him slip. But Julian is genetically enhanced, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you go over to Voyager and you're like, Harry plays the clarinet and is an ensign forever. <laughs> Dies an ensign. Poor guy. He's an ensign. Seven years later, like on, on the end of Star Trek, the next generation, they're all fucking lieutenant commanders. All of them. Yeah. Wesley outpaced Harry for sure. You know, <laughs> and, and, and they, they're not allowed to, I mean, Tom Paris is allowed to grow and change the most significantly. And maybe also the doctor. But like, tell me the difference between season one Chakotay and season seven Chakotay. Uh, and, and same thing with and same thing with here. Like Tom, you can really see the change. Doctor, you can really see the change. Balana, somewhat. Yo, eh. Janeway is eh. not changing. No, you're right. Like, there's not a whole lot of growth. There's not growth. Tom and the Doctor change considerably. But here, and, was, and here's here's the 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 I've always you know. Before I get, before I actually watched Voyager, I always kind of had the impression that it was the soap opera Trek. It was like the like Star Trek if it were a soap opera. That's always kind of how it occurred to me, and I know I'm probably pissing off some Voyager fans. Yeah, out no, there. and DS Nine is frankly more of a soap opera Trek. Yeah, but no, but see the thing is, like, soap operas are like the characters change out. But like it's all the same tropes over and over and over again, and it's the same shit you're watching over and over and over again. You know, that's you know, soap operas are actually more compelling than than Voyager, though. Well, I, I here's and and that's why DS Nine is more compelling. So you have <laughs> you you have you have DS Nine, which is arguably a soap opera in that you're watching the unfold the thirty unfolding storylines that are a, always yeah, going, it's a, and it's a serialized long form drama as opposed there, to not serialized. You know what I mean. But as opposed to but as opposed to serialized drama now, like even like slightly after like Buffy, you know, it's like one big story. Like DS9 had like 30 little stories that are constantly moving forward. Yeah. Um, next and then it's those B plots that I think we can credit with so much O'Brien Bashir slash fiction. Um, now, Next Gen didn't. Um, next Gen didn't. But Next Gen sort of seemed to commit itself to being like. Like, because next gen, I always felt like next gen felt like it had to compete with the with the Kirk movies. That it was always sort of competing with the Kirk movies, and in doing so, every episode it put out, whether or not it succeeded, and next gen does not always succeed. But when it does, it seemed like every one tried to be a movie, it's tried to be a forty five minute movie to the best of its ability. Yes, okay. and and by the time we got to Voyager, they were like, okay. Well, you don't have to do that. We're not doing that on Deep Space Nine. So let's just do sort of that level of storytelling here. Where like everything is the B story. 
<laughs> Voyager is the B story of Star like, Trek. Like you don't like like you don't have to have the 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 movie like you did on Next Gen, and you don't have to have the ongoing story. You could just kind of have one story that seems like it's about as interesting as an ongoing story. <laughs> like, <laughs> or you could just have several B plots for yeah, every episode. But it always has to reset because Voyager, you can literally like with the exception of some episodes, you can watch Voyager in any order, like Next Gen. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so that's an. I don't want to spend all the time harping on Voyager. I, I still like Voyager. Whatever. Um, you're just trying to not piss people off. No, it's not true at all. I, I would do a Voyager re, re rewatch. It will probably be years before I do. Um, um. I think Voyager is a perfectly acceptable, like, hey, let's watch an episode of Voyager while we clean the house type of thing. I could see myself doing a. Like, like if I had to move and pack up the house, I could see myself doing a, a hey, I'm going to rewatch like season five of Voyager, which is probably the best ish that it gets. Um, anyway, right. enough about Voyager, yeah. about Star Trek Discovery. Um, yeah. What's so what's the what's the news? What's the so to, so to bring you and anybody who's popping in right now up to speed. Star Trek Discovery is the show that was supposed to be coming out in like a month and a half that they then moved to May that was supposed to be run by Nicholas Meyer, uh, who uh, who wrote and directed Star Trek two and Star Trek six and who's responsible for the original series movies being the way that we know them. Anybody who's watched the motion picture or some people call it the motionless picture um, uh, is familiar with what Roddenberry kind of had in mind for the Star Trek movies, which was very dry, very scientific, very, very different from the original series. Nick Meyer came in, also did something different from the original series, and said, let's amp up the soap opera-ish a little bit and also make it, for all intents and purposes, kind of a naval military show a little bit, and then you bring in the characters from the original series and you give them things to do. And that's you can really call Star Trek 2 through 6 the Meyerverse. Um and he directed the best two, in my opinion, two and six, which are my two favorite Star Trek movies. Um, so you then move to um, you, you then move to him running with Brian Fuller, Brian Fuller, who wrote on DS9, who wrote on Voyager, who started out in the Star Trek world, but then went on to do, I think he did like Dead Like Me, he did Hannibal, he did huge shows that have been very, very successful, um, that especially critically, that people really, really love. And those two were going to be running it, and I had, there were like, there were concerns about what it was doing, and it looked better, and then the ship came out, the ship looks like garbage, and then they're retooling it, we kind of made fun of what was going on anyway. Um, so this is as of, uh, um, so... Let's place this episode in time, first of all, because this this episode is, you're going to be hearing this like nearly a month after we record it. Um, so I'm going to pause before I go forward with the Discovery News. I'm going to go, this is the first episode that we've recorded since the election happened. Mm, um, yes. So um, we're not uh, we're not going to be talking a lot uh, politically about the election. Uh, this is where we can argue about the really important issues, Voyager like, versus Enterprise. Yes. That's what's really important in the world. And if our show had gone on on September 12th, 2001, I would be saying at that time, the world needs a place where they can come in and sit and laugh and love and enjoy the things they love and enjoy. And that's what we're here to do. Yep. Um, so, so wherever you fall, okay, at least we can do this and we can agree on this one thing. You know, this yes. is... Let's, this let's, should... like, let's have nerd fights. Uh, yeah, this... You know... Argue. This, let's argue about nerd shit, please. This show is the functional equivalent of the song Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> it's like, like... Like, like, you say that we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart. 
I say, and it goes on. It goes, it goes. What about Breakfast at Tiffany's? She what about said, I, Star Trek? She said, I think I remember the film, and as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's one thing we've got. So that's where we are. Welcome yeah. to Trek Off. Um, moving on to to the real tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> that came out in the last couple of weeks in that um, Brian Fuller has left Star Trek Discovery as, as showrunner. That's unfortunate. Um, it is unfortunate. Um, I'm going to have this, any idea why I'm going to pull this off of the Hollywood Reporter coming out October 26, 2016. By the way, if anybody wants to rant against my whole let's all get along thing, please rant to yourself um, because uh, we will not be answering anything like that. Anyway, um, uh, October 26th, Brian Fuller out of Star Trek Discovery showrunner. Um, the CBS All Access digital series, which was pushed back from January to May, will be captained by someone else. Uh, October 26th, this show this is written by Leslie Goldberg. Um, Brian Fuller is leaving the captain's chair on CBS's All Access uh, Star Trek Discovery. Fuller has stepped down from the role as showrunner on the digital series the hollywood reporter has confirmed we are extremely happy with the creative direction star trek discovery and the strong foundation brian fuller has helped us create for the series producer cbs television studios said wednesday in a statement due to brian's other projects he is no longer able to oversee the day-to-day of star trek but he remains as an executive producer and will continue to map out the story arc for the entire season alex kurtzman co-creator and executive producer along with fuller's producing partners and longtime collaborators gresham berg and aaron harberts will continue to oversee the show with the existing writing and producing team brian is a brilliant creative talent and passionate Star Trek fan who helped us chart an exciting course for the series. We're all committed to seeing this vision through and looking forward to premiering Star Trek Discovery this coming May 2017. So I have some thoughts. Yes. I mean, I don't think there's been a Star Trek that hasn't had like significant drama in the writing room and behind the scenes. But before it no. came out? Yeah. Absolutely. Guy, I mean, was, just getting next gen the- off the ground was was a Herculean effort of sure. wrangling personalities and you know it's that kind of shit happens man and I don't necessarily know that you can point to any correlation between the level of drama and the quality of output sometimes there's drama and sometimes the show sucks well I'm not I don't and this I, is across all of television sometimes there's no drama and sometimes that show sucks too like yeah but I don't I'm, I'm I don't, willing to hold out hope is all I'm saying I don't care about the drama behind the scenes and the quality that comes out of the drama behind the scenes. What I care about is the quality of the show. And and one of the things that made me excited about the quality of the show is Brian Fuller as fucking showrunner. Like, that's the thing. This isn't drama behind the scenes. This is the showrunner that we were excited about leaving. He's like Joss Whedon leaving Buffy. Um, no. Um, he is. That's what the showrunner is. The showrunner is no, the person because who... Joss Whedon created Buffy. He and didn't Bri- create Star Trek. And Brian Fuller is one of the ones who created Discovery. He he's yeah, like... and and but but some of the shit we've seen come out of Discovery is not exactly blown our skirts up. Well, that's the thing. That's my point. Is this is a guy who this is a guy who was like, you know, and I'm looking at him. He did Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, um. He right, wrote two f- sort of thoughtful, you know, heady shows, which we need not necessarily Hannibal. science fiction. But well, I mean, he also did DS9 and Voyager and then also did uh, he wrote episodes for those shows. Right. Um, he didn't like run the shows. Well, he wrote 15 episodes of Voyager, two episodes of DS9, two great episodes of DS9. 
Um, what, which episodes of Voyager did he write? That's because I mean, see. just saying he wrote 15 episodes. This given out of 170 right. episodes, we right. just established. granted, granted, this was 19 years ago, and these were his very, very first writing credits ever. Um, sure. But he wrote. Uh, he started with um, on DS9 with the Darkness and the Light, which is a great episode, and Empok Nor, which is a fucking astounding episode. Um, uh, Voyager. I will point out. I won't name all of them, but I'll say good ones and bad ones. The Raven. Which is eh, okay, Living Witness, which is astounding. Um, that's the one where the where they reactivate the Doctor, and it's been five like five hundred years, and and they have the wrong idea of the way history played out. It's a great episode. Okay. Um, Dark Frontier, which is okay. Course Oblivion, which is man, Barge of the Dead, which is a really interesting Klingon episode that I that I like. Alice, which is um essentially um Christine. Uh, the Haunting of Deck Twelve, which is not great, and Spirit Folk, which is terrible. Fury, which is terrible. Um, Flesh and Blood, which I kind of like. And Workforce 1 and 2, which I kind of like. Friendship 1, which I really like. So hit and miss there. And then he did Wonder Falls, Dead Like Me, um, Pushing Daisies, uh, four episodes of The Later Heroes. He was showrunner on Hannibal. And he is, um, and he created um, American Gods. So he's good. Here's the sure, thing. Okay, he's got a pedigree. All right, I'll give it a to him. Alex Kurtzman, who is now running the show, uh, his writing credits include Hercules and Xena and Jack of All Trades, which I kind of like, A Sum of Alias, um, Mission Impossible 3, Transformers, Star Trek 2009, and we blame him for a lot of the problems in it, um, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, the worst, Lock and Key, terrible, Cowboys and Aliens, terrible, um, Cowboys cre- and Aliens was not terrible. It was uh, only terrible if you expected it to be like some awesome science fiction revelation. It was a fucking. I mean, it's Cowboys and Aliens. It's come on. Now I give him this. He created Fringe. He only wrote three episodes, but he created Fringe, and Fringe is astounding. So I'll give him Fringe. Um, he wrote Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, all uh, of it. All of one hundred percent of it. It just says written by, so okay. I guess it's written by. Um, he wrote the screenplay for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, this is the man who decided it was a good idea for Jamie Foxx to play the itsy-bitsy spider. He moved on to Sleepy Hollow. Um, he did... Limit- uh, yes. That's pretty good. He executive produced that show. Executive producer on Limitless, which I actually heard was okay. Hawaii Five-0. Eh. Um, uh, Scorpion, which I've never even fucking heard of. Um, uh, like I don't, he's all right. I mean, I, I look, I'm not going to argue the point. Like with, if, if Brian Fuller news of Brian Fuller leaving the show does not fill me with like overwhelming confidence. What I'm saying is I'm still optimistic because I'm an optimist. So what I know sure. will happen is there will be Star Trek television, at least like, you know, a dozen episodes. That's brand new that I've never seen before. And like, regardless of who's fucking working on it, that makes me excited. I get a little bit Will of a... Will you be excited if it's the same quality as Voyager? Probably. Interesting. Because because it's new, right? Like, I can hate on Voyager because I've no, watched let me be clear. it. Let, I've let me be, let me it be clear. It fucking, it sucks. I can, so I can hate on it. I, this right now, it's the unknown. It's It's new. If I watch the first episode and I'm like... And and it's basically like a fucking procedural cop drama in space with a Star Trek rapper. 
I'm going to be fucking furious. I'll be pissed. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if it's good or bad, it's going to be great for this show. I mean, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's like like like, first of all, we're five years in. I wish I like see we're here to talk about how we're five years in. But like like the idea that we've not run out of shit to talk about for hundreds of hours. Yeah. And and in a in a space where for a lot of those years, there wasn't new Star Trek being made. Yeah, well, and that's and that's that is a that is a a thing to think about is to say that that, you know, the one thing that Star Wars episode one for all of its problems is it opened up the universe. It pulled the entire universe, uh, you know, 40 years back and you could go, OK, now we've got this entire spectrum of new things we can talk about. Now, this doesn't do that that much in that this is going to be taking place like like between enterprise and the original series, which I think is a terrible idea. Um, uh, like I really wanted them to move forward. Like yeah, it would be amazing. I know, for... Everybody loves the 24th century, right? No, 25th fucking century. That's my point. Or even 26th. Like that's yeah. the thing I would love for them to not have to go. Well, isn't this a neat episode because we've connected the dots for you? You know, right. like, I don't need to go. But, Here's... but you're, I mean, you're the one that's always about continuity porn. I would imagine that, like, you know, there's a certain uh, there's a certain part of you that's going to be like, oh, that's fucking cool. Because, yeah, but here's the blah, thing. Blah, I'm blah. not. But we I, already I, did all that with Enterprise, right? But I, I don't love continuity porn as much as I love um, expansive and 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 solid continuity. And yeah. I, I much more like what I liked about DS9 is it, it explored within the existing continuity. There was all the continuity that they had established. And then DS9 sort of like really delved into all of it. And I, it doesn't have to be like that, but I like, I would like, I don't like it being constrained by continuity. So as to be like, here's the Borg episode, because I'll bet you didn't realize the Borg were here. And here's, here's Noonien yeah. Soong's nephew, you know? Yeah, like I didn't, Yeah. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> Enterprise did all this shit, right? Like, yeah. Like it, it's and and the Borg episode of Enterprise, by the way, is one of the best episodes of Enterprise. It's fucking great. Like I, 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 I thank God for the Borg episode of Enterprise because the Borg had been so just like humanized, and the Queen had emotions, and she didn't like Janeway, and and there are Borg kids now, and they're fun. And I like that the <laughs> final the final Borg episode you had was the Borg being fucking scary again. Yeah, it's like terrifying. hey. hey Hey, guess what? They're scary. And for anybody complaining, the Borg shouldn't be there. Fucking it's the Borg that crashed from first contact. It's in the, it's in the text of the show. It makes sense that they're there. Um, all that being said, um, this is coming from treknews.net 10 hours ago. Um, this is uh, by Andrew Carnendale. Um, a revealing interview with the CBS ac- executive may have uncovered an interesting and unforeseen direction for the upcoming series Star Trek Discovery. CBS Interactive CEO Jim Lenzone discussed the upcoming Star Trek show and how it may differ from its predecessors during an interview with Peter Kafka on Recode Media Podcast. While Discovery's premiere is slated to debut on CB- in CBS in May, by the way, they spelled premiere P-R-E-M-I-E-R, which just bugs the shit out of me. Isn't that like the way you spell like a t- like the title like a russian premiere yes the russian premiere it's with an e if it's something's happening for the first time anyway uh, actually premiere <laughs> means premiere is is uh is the adjective meaning first and a premiere or the title meaning first where a premiere is the thing that happens when something's happening for the first time or is the best um so so the the 
the premier Star Trek series, because it's the best one, would be without an E, whereas the the premiere of the new Star Trek series would be with an E. Anyway, thanks for, the, thanks for the grammar lesson. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I know that there's so I I had a girlfriend once who uh who got so fucking into the fact that um if you're saying that you wanted to do something that could never be done, you would say if it were up to me. Whereas where uh if you're talking to somebody on the phone about how there's a party and you wish you were there, you would say, if I was there. And if you misused it, she would like she would just cut your this, fucking head off. This is a high school girlfriend, I'm taking it. Yes. Well, I had no other kind. Um because <laughs> I got married when because, I was because 11. shit like that seems really important when you're in high I know, school. I know. Um I I ultimately did find out after I tried to argue with a college professor about about the same thing because the college professor was a piece of shit and deserved to be argued with about anything, and I would have like the, this guy was an ass fuck. Um, but uh, but uh, he did call me out and go, actually, if you look at it, this is this is all the documentation of where it's evolved to the point where you can use either one. Shithead. I was like, oh no. So I'll bet that Premiere can be slapped back and back and forth, but it's probably this same person's voice in my head saying, hey, me, me, me. Um, uh, so you were saying. So, yes, while Discovery's Premiere is slated, me, 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 to, uh, uh, to debut on CBS in May, every episode thereafter will be exclusive to CBS digital media app, CBS All Access. As that content would not have to meet broadcast standards set forth by the FCC, it's possible that. Much like original programs on HBO and Netflix, it could contain such as swearing and nudity. The showrunners were like, oh, yeah, we could do that, Lenzone said, recounting a conversation with the show's producers. Of course, the response is, as long as it serves the story, but yeah. Now, look, how do you feel? That doesn't bother me at all. Again, as long as it serves the story. This what this feels like is let's keep people interested. Let's let's hint that there might be some scintillating content. Um, but I'm I'm reserving judgment, you know, until I actually see the content. Um, so I'm not going to be I'm I'm it's here's the thing. I'm not the people they're trying to entice with that. Right. I'm the guy that's already going to watch this no matter what, just like you are, just like Alexia is just like most people listening to this show are. There are people out there that they are trying to attract to the show. And that's what that little teaser is for. I don't know. I, I have to say, I think that it is a, an incredibly bad idea. Now, it hasn't even happened yet, Justin. Hear me out. Hear me out. First of all, this is CBS. This is CBS that with a giant budget fucked Supergirl up that then handed it to CW for a quarter of the budget and CW could go, Oh, we can do this. And it's doing Supergirl in a way that everybody's kind of liking now. Yes. CBS, uh, CBS as a, as a studio tends to be a little bit socially tone deaf. And this is the same studio. Let's keep in mind. This is like the showrunner going, Oh, or the, the, the studio going, Hey, we could do this. Wouldn't this be good? This is the one they decided that, uh, that on UPN, which became CW, um that it would be a good idea here's the here's the image that they're showing by the way it says star trek discovery could theoretically involve nudity swearing and it's got pictures of to paul topless being rubbed down by trip that's the pictures that are on there along with a, a ripped shirt Wait, kirk on what website 
This is on uh, treknews.net. But, and that, this is not the, the pictures that CBS is releasing, but this is immediately what comes to mind. Right. This, so th- this is the spin machine, right? So this is, this is exactly what they're putting out there. And let's not pretend that like sex is, is something new that people are using to sell their shit, or it's even new to Star Trek. Right? It's not. It's not new to Star Trek. Kirk was fucking making out with aliens, and there were hot sure. chicks dancing and whatever. I mean, that shit has been around. They pushed the boundaries, social boundaries, you know, a lot. So, and they do it to get eyeballs, and they've been doing it, and they're not the so only ones the thing. that do it. But I would say that Star Trek, at its most successful, wasn't doing that. And you can mark, you can mark, like the arrival of 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 seven of nine as the moment that star trek started declining now that no. was also that was also Honestly, when the arrival of seven of nine is what saved voyager but but it is it is the moment the arrival of seven of nine is and, and again it's happening at the same time the ds9 went off the air so i understand that i understand that there's that's really kind of like when all there was a voyager but but seven of nine saved voyager despite what she was supposed to be it's save voyager in spite of itself the concept of seven of nine because she ended up being great but she was put there for a specific purpose and then they tried to replicate it with t'pol and it didn't work and i'm telling you man they're skewing too old for star trek they wait they are they're not gonna fucking get like the 22 year olds who are like star trek with sex let's grab it i want to see that I think that they that if you're building your long-term audience, you can't go Game of Thrones with it. You can't. And I think the problem is, is that, I, and here's why I'm honestly upset. I was all geared up to watch Star Trek with my kids. And when you hear the stories, watch our movie, watch Trek Off, and you hear Alexia talking about her dad would sit down and go, they was all excited that the fucking Star Trek was coming on. And, and, and my mom watched it when she was a kid, and I watched it when I was a kid, and Alexia watched it when she was a kid, and all the Star Trek shows. Yeah, even when I Alexia meet- also watched like Nightmare on Elm Street as a kid. Sure, you know? but, but there are so many people out there, you hear the stories of Star Trek, it's I watched it when I was a kid. And if you're going to skew 18 plus and I'm okay, look, I do a fucking X-rated Star Trek show. I'm okay with fucking 18 plus content. But for this, I think that what you're going to do is you're going to, I think it, it sounds like a fucking corporate decision. Oh, sex sells. Let's do that. Oh, and of course it will serve the story. The story part seems like an afterthought. And this is, I think that it's a, it's a terrible idea. Star Trek at its best, like Star Trek at its best, was slightly, maybe a little scintillating, a little tiny bit, a little tiny askew. In the look 1960s, worked. it was absolutely scintillating. I, I think if you looked at other shit happening in the 1960s, plenty of Star Trek was safe enough for kids to watch. Yes, there were things that made people go, ooh, but in general, it was a safe place for kids to watch. And kids did watch. And kids did watch and here's the thing kids will watch kids have access to the internet kids are watching pornography so whatever they're going to find on star kids trek are watching kids are watching pornography behind their parents backs so I, what I, my point is, a, is yeah you know what some parents won't want to watch start this star trek with their kids if there's you know uh, some foul language or some nudity 
they're not going to want to watch that with their children because they don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation with their children. So they're going to let their kids go off to the internet and watch pornography and figure out how sex works from watching fucking porn instead of having that conversation with their kids. Well, Star I don't Trek think it's... A, I, hold, on, hold, Trek, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm in the middle of a thought here. Okay. Star Trek is about pushing social boundaries and pushing the conversations that we have in our at our kitchen tables and in our living rooms. It it was it was that way in the 60s. It absolutely can continue that tradition with the next frontier of social discomfort, which is sex. That's not a bad thing. Parents having frank conversations with their children about sex is not a bad thing. I, and, and if there's I, a television so, show that can make that happen, I would love for it to be Star Trek. As as a a Star Trek fan, B, somebody who watched Star Trek growing up and see a parent, I can tell you that there are different times to have different conversations about frank conversations about sex with your kids. There are times that you talk about one aspect of it and times when you talk about another aspect of it. There's a point where you say, this is how it works. There's another point where you say, this is where, where there's the emotional consequences. And there's another point where you say, and you know, here's how you use a vibrator. Like, they're, like, 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 like you don't necessarily need to say, here's how you use a vibrator to a seven-year-old. Like that's not, and you don't necessarily need to have you know, something that's deliberately titillating. And, and with all due, due respect, I don't have a ton of fucking confidence in CBS's ability to use sex as and really network television as a whole to use sex as a healthy starting point for conversations with your kids i would say that like and i'll go i, I will absolutely concede that point and i will go and i will go a step further i watch i i caught like my, my wife has, has been watching things like the mini project and stuff like that which she really really likes and it looks good but we got into a conversation about um about friends about the show friends mm-hmm. and how it is like the kind of the worst when it comes to stuff that kids should be watching, especially when it comes to sex, because while scintillating and titillating, it's totally consequence free. It's just a consequence free um, place where, where there cannot like, and I've had this conversation specifically about horror with some, with a friend of mine who is a, um, who is actually a fundamentalist Christian guy. Um, who doesn't like the fact that I made three horror movies or horror-ish movies. And he ta- he said, I tried to watch uh, zombies and there's so much blood and there's so much death and it's so awful. And my response was, yeah, but you like James Bond. And in James Bond, there's tons of murder, but it's totally consequence-free. And 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 that's kind of where the argument ended, where I was kind of, I was kind of like, you know, it's the thing about horror is that when it shows death, it shows the consequence of death. Death is a terrible thing, right? That's what's, horror but that's what's truly horrific, right? Yeah, that's that's like that's that death is the problem in the horror movie, not the not not the the casual you know byproduct of what's happening. Here's what um, I'll say: if 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 I if I were to go out and think of what organization would I want to to spearhead, you know, addressing the issues of of that America has with sex, CBS would would not be my first choice. Star Trek would be my first choice and CBS happens to own it. So if they're well, going to, and, and oh, and I'll take a step further. I don't think the Star Trek really has in a real way outside of gender identity, which, 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 and, 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 you know, you know, LGBT, LGBT issues, which certainly it should address. Those are issues that need to be distressed, be, be addressed. But the idea of sexuality 
Star Trek is not the place for it. That's never been what Star Trek's been about. It's been a show that did not champion all the issues and pushing boundaries has not ever been its modus operandi. It's been the the mechanism by which it tries to make changes to make you uncomfortable. But its entire show has always been about social justice. That's the issue. The chief issue in Star Trek has always been social justice. And in a time, and and I, I got to disagree with you that that again, and I don't want to get political, but like, I can't believe that, that we would say that this is the time where we're going and sex is the issue that we really need to explore right now. I'd go, well, um, well, to maybe, be clear, no, nope, what we're doing right now is rampant speculation about how sex will be involved in Star Trek. And what I'm saying is if Star Trek is going to be going to include sex and it can include having conversations about consent, things like consent, things like, uh, healthy sexual interactions between consenting adults. If it can display those things and it can, you know, bring those issues front and center and have those conversations be part of the public dialogue, then that's good. Then sex sure. in Star Trek isn't bad. Sure. What we've heard is, oh, it's not going to be held to network standards. So we can do these things. We have no idea what these things are. And based on past performance, we can assume it means like we can show boobies and we can say fuck. Right. And, I, and, and, I want to and, take and if that's all it is, then I'll be sorely disappointed in CBS yet again for, you know, for dropping the ball. Well, and I want to um, take it but, a step further. I think I think that rape is a really important issue that especially boys need to hear about, that they need to understand, like the consequence of rape and 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 uh, and what constitutes consent and stuff like that. What Star Trek has always done well is it's made that it's made that conversation in an allegorical way to get people talking about it, but also in a safe place for kids to watch. And here's the issue. And here's honestly the thing. When, so Rogue One is coming out, right? Uh, the Star Wars Rogue One. Yep. It, it month, is. Right? I, I am so fucking pumped. I am yes. pumped. The, 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 the trailer that I saw is like, I can't, like, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic and like maintain the cautious, but it, the caution is just quickly eroding. So, so we have talked um, on our show, and I've heard about on other shows how, um, while Rogue One had one director, they actually yanked the reins away from him and gave it to another director. Um, and there have been a significant yeah. They went back of, and did like reshoots and stuff, and... tons of reshoots with a different director helming it. Yep. Um, and the reason that we talked about is is, and we I I really you know stole it from another show that that I listened to where they where 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 they talk about how after. After you know, when they first bought it and they first decided to do Rogue One, the last thing they did had really was was uh, in theaters was uh, Star Trek: The Clone Wars, which was not good and was not well received and did poorly. And then the show, which got really good, but by the time it got good, did not have huge ratings. And now, and and they had started to do Rebels, and Rebels had good opening ratings, but then the ratings have not been huge, it's been good enough to justify its existence, but not huge. I love Rebels, but not a lot of people are watching. Um, so they knew that Force Awakens was going to be successful, but they could not have anticipated based on how Star Wars has kind of done recently that it was going to fucking blow the fuck up in the way that it did. Right. They didn't know that. So as soon as it did and they had at that point, Rogue One was, you know, like it was totally written. They had shot some of it was sort of in the you know, it was progressing along. They <clears> couldn't <throat> have known that. Holy shit. Look yeah. what we got. Now we've um, got now we've got Star Star Wars lunchboxes again. Yeah. And 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 that was not the time for them to go. Let's do a dark, dark, gritty Star Wars movie. Yeah. That 
only grown-ups should really go see. You know, yeah, um, I'm just hoping that there's that that all that eventually they come out with like a rogue cut or whatever. Right. I don't want a rogue cut of Rogue One. I want Rogue One to be Rogue One is. I want like three or four movies down the line for there to be enough Star Wars out there that there can be a Star Wars that I skip with my kids. But that's not this time. Right now, this is only the second Star Wars after I did that. I'm talking like six, seven movies in. I'm so happy to see after the travesty. There was, have you seen X-Men Apocalypse yet? Yeah, we just watched it, actually. Actually, not a travesty. Let me say. It, I didn't it, hate it. It gets unfairly shit on. There are real problems with it. Um, but now that there's enough X-Men out there that are kind of okay for kids-ish, now they can do Deadpool. Now they can do Logan. Two R-rated X-Men movies in the same time that they're going to make New Mutants, which is going to be more geared toward kids. Now they can... And same thing with, with Marvel. They should not have started on day one. Like, Iron Man and then Jessica Jones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not the way they should have gone. They needed to do all this Marvel so there's tons of Marvel for kids because Marvel's mostly for kids. It's what you read comics mostly when you're a kid. And so enough Marvel for that so that there was enough out there so that parents can go, you know what? It's okay. I'm not upset that we're skipping this Marvel because we got all this Marvel before and are this all this Marvel afterward. Here's some Marvel just for the just for the grown-ups. And I think that's what Star Wars needs to do. And frankly, I like if Star Trek gets successful enough, I'm totally fine with it. But I wanted to fucking watch this show with my kids yeah, at dinner and, time. And here's the thing. This is like one producer giving an interview. You have no idea what content is gonna be. I, I know. You know I hope I hope that somebody reverses, but I can just see it's just the, the it's it's it, the head of be a line out there guy. just to get interest, just to get us talking about it, so that our listen listeners will hear it and they'll talk about it, and people are fucking talking about it. Sure, you, yeah, and that you know, and that yeah, and and I and I understand that, but again, our job is to talk about it, so that's what I'm doing. You know, it's I I, no, I read got it, you. I got you. I'm I read it. Saying, let, let, let me be clear. Let, let me let me peel back the curtain. I'm upset from a trek off point of view. When we're done with our talk. I'm not really going to lose sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me be clear. Um, um, but when the show comes out, if this is still the way it is, I will be legit. Like if they're like, if they were like, yo, the, the show for mature audiences, like if that comes up fucking beforehand on yeah. the pilot episode of discovery or in a couple of episodes in and, and I have to check the fuck out and I'm like, sorry, sorry, kids. Like I really wanted to watch this with you. Finally, there's like for the first time in your lives, there's Star Trek on TV. You've always watched me run, watch reruns your whole life. New Star Trek's on TV, and we were going to watch from week to week, and we can't now. And the A gets me upset as somebody who wanted to share it, but B goes, like, you need to cast a fucking wider net, and I know you think you're going to draw people in thinking they're going to see your know, alien tits, but, like, seriously, we can do without it, and we can do without aliens saying fuck because, like... Like you need to like if you want the show to be successful, like you gotta fucking pull in the people like me. There's gotta be a, I'm sure there are other fucking people like me who are gonna be like, fuck. You know? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean it's a it's a it's an evolving world. I think you pay a lot more attention to what your kids watch than most people do. Um, you know. I think that there's I think that like you grant me this, you and I belong to a a cast of people who are probably a little less careful than other people that we don't associate as much with. Like there's like you, you and I tend to tend to lean much more progressive in terms of, you know, just as being artists, we're artists, we're used to it. Right. That's like, uh, like, I, I mean, there is, there's a, there is that aspect, but like, I mean, just knowing 
you know, my own my own sister, she's a great mom and she's got great kids, but like she doesn't know what they're watching all the time. She can't. They're like there's just too yeah, much access she, to media. But, but there's she just knows too what, much access to media. But she knows what they're watching with her. And this is a show where where like kind of and I understand there's shows like Westworld and stuff, and I'd really love to see the demographics on Westworld on how many families are watching it. How many under eight? How many people are pulling their kids to watch it with them? Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I mean, I honestly don't know that like networks and corporations give they're a under shit. twelve. Yeah, well, but I, but I, but here's the thing: this is a show that needs to do. It needs to. It doesn't need to do Game of Thrones numbers. It needs to do some fucking numbers to justify itself. And and if you look at how Star Trek Beyond did, and look, we we stopped. Because we were, we ended up running. You know, even this show that we're recording now is four weeks ahead. Um, we stopped tracking uh, Star Trek Beyond. It finally opened in China and did really well. But it was it was touch and go there for a minute. It did not do well in the United States. And and that's what, despite, what is not what does did not do well mean? What does that mean? Significant do we actual numbers or all right? So I don't want to belabor the point for our listeners, but for them, it's been like five weeks since we talked about it. So if I look at these numbers are from boxofficemojo.com. Go to boxofficemojo.com. They'll get you hard. That's not really what they say, but I say they'll get you hard because it fills time as I look shit up. Um, Star Trek Beyond. This is the I, I mean, how did it do compared to, say, the Ghostbusters reboot? Well, the Ghostbusters reboot was also such a failure they decided never to make any more. Um, here we go. Similar movies is now. what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, all right, I haven't so, seen it yet. So, all right, so uh, in the United States, domestic gross was one hundred fifty-eight one hundred fifty-eight million eight hundred forty-eight thousand three hundred forty dollars. As compared to that's one fifty-eight compared to Star Trek Into Darkness at two hundred twenty-eight million and Star Trek Two Thousand Nine at two hundred fifty-seven million. It's a hundred million less than Star Trek Two Thousand Nine. Yikes! Despite it being the best one. Of yeah. the three, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I um, hands down agree with you. So um, worldwide, it uh, like if I look worldwide, it did um, it did another hundred and eighty four million, um, which is still not as good. Um, but for a movie with a budget of one hundred and eighty five million, um, you put those two together and it's it's sort of right at the it broke even in theaters which means any money that it makes on blu-ray and dvd between now and january is just fucking it's it's frosting right um so we have two will, copies of it by the way i got the steel book and the 3d it yeah. will it will justify uh the production of another star trek movie that will be cheaper they'll make another one but they're gonna cut i'll bet they cut 50 million dollars from the budget to like to make it because 185 million is a lot to to make up but um and you can make a great by the way De- deadpool was 80 million and so they can make a star trek movie for, for 30 million more than deadpool just um, don't put any boobs or fuck words in it well that's the point though right i mean that's like you know <laughs> you know you know you know who bought two tickets to star trek beyond me my my 10 year old you know what i mean i mean that's yeah. that's that's the thing is it, it's it you know but i it, also but i also bought two tickets to deadpool Sure. And De- Deadpool is another Deadpool is another way to go and Deadpool has done spectacular numbers. But I'm just I'm saying not, that- I'm not to be clear, I'm not advocating that I want Star Trek to be the next Deadpool. I don't think that that I think I 
philosophically, I think I agree with you. I don't necessarily want it to be the place for boobs and fuck words. I think I want it to be the place where we're talking about consent, right? Well, and let's be clear. De- Deadpool will be done in two movies. There will not be a Deadpool 6. I promise you there will not be Deadpool 6. Deadpool 2 will do good, maybe even better. It'll be Deadpool 4. Deadpool 3 will do not quite as well. Deadpool 4 will be the nail in the coffin, even if it's any good, because Deadpool is sort of a, it's it's got like an Austin Powers type of like appeal to it. Um, you know, yes. like the best jokes have already been told. They can maybe squeeze some more fun and interesting things out of it, but it's not going to have, you know, you're not going to have, you know, 30 years from now, you might have a reboot of Deadpool, but you're not going to have, you know, Ryan Reynolds' old man Deadpool. I, yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, and let's be honest, I love Hugh Jackman and I love his Wolverine, but he's a huge that, jacked man. But that that series needed to die long before now. And and Logan looks fucking phenomenal. I can't I can't even I, like I'm so glad that Johnny Cash recorded that song so that it could be used in that trailer to sell that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it looks great. And I'll be honest. I loved the Wolverine. I thought the Wolverine was a fun. Was oh. a, not Awful. not x-men origins wolverine the no wolverine. The, the one where they're he's riding a motorcycle on rooftops in the snow is that the one you're talking about no no that's the that's that's x-men origins wolverine from years no it's and years not ago. that's the wolverine they're in japan or some shit and yeah he's like, i love the i love that one I yeah it I think was fucking great. yeah there's serious problems with that movie there are um, problems it's still i still really like it yeah um, okay um, and I'm really close to the source material, so I like what they're doing. So, like, yes, I recognize the problems, but in general, I kind of think it's the best Wolverine movie. Um, all that being said, I think that Star Trek is is a place where, where like the people who are going to be awed by it at this point are are your ten and unders, and you need to grab them. You need to grab them, and it needs to be a place where where the adults can be intellectually and emotionally and spiritually stimulated in the way that they were in the past and the kids can watch the whiz bang and also get like a sense of the gravity that they will then revisit when they're teenagers and go oh that's what that was about and and if they want star trek to ever come back to what it was before um i i really think i i hope that they're wise enough to not try and disclude um families families yeah, I I hear you, man. And from I, a, and from I, a success point, and here I'll I'll even say this: maybe the show they're proposing would be a better show. Even I'm willing to sacrifice the a stunning 15 episode show that maybe even runs a season or two to get another 20 years because that's what I'm going like like right now. Like Star Trek 2009, I knew that that was going to peter out because it's all flash whiz bang. Yeah, and, it's in fan service, and I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. You know, and it's fun, and it's really, really, really fun. But like, it all kind of blends together a little bit. And and when the next one comes out, I'll be there. But I'm sure it will seem very, very much like the ones I've already seen. And and there's there, you know, like that they've they've made it so much about that that they can't really like derivate from that. You know what I mean? Like they they can't. Yeah, they can't, they can't do, do. They can't go back and do and uh, like an introspective you they know. can't go fucking save the whales or have a show that's uh that that's about you know the fall of the berlin wall they can't do that with the movies they've decided to make like that's not something that these movies can do they paint themselves into this corner um i want there to be a show that lays the groundwork that is not still because they're still 
Mr. A, there's still this feeling that, that I have that Star Trek is on life support. And it had this big boost. You know, I had a cat. Um, and we all know dead pets. Dead pets are sad stories. And we all have sad stories. Yeah. Um, I didn't even go with my cat. I'm going with my mom's dog. My mom had these two wonderful dogs, the Goldens. And uh, one died, and then the other one stuck around for a while. And then that one just wouldn't start, wouldn't eat anymore, and it was going, it, it was going bad. Things were clearly going bad, right? This dog was dying. Um, the doctors decided to start doing serious fucking uh, steroid injections. So the vet said, you know, don't get like, be careful with your hopes because these steroid injections, they're going to seem like they fixed everything and your dog's going to eat and it's going to be happy and it's going to have energy. And sure enough, that, that got the steroid injections and this dog that was clearly on death's door perked up and is eating and is happy and seems cured. It seems mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And then of course it dies because that all that did was steroid injection. Um, and because the problem was still there. And the problem is I still get this feeling, dude. I still get this feeling that Star Trek, that 2009 was the steroid injection to the dead and flailing franchise. But I don't get the sense, you know, the state of the union is not fucking strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I hear you. And I think every Trek fan is right there with you, you know. Um, and there are some who have just completely written this off, you know. Com- completely, you know, written anything off that, that has come out since Enterprise. Um, and, and not out of anger, but just out of like, there's so much fucking stuff to watch. Star Trek's on it. Just not, it's not blowing your skirt up anymore. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's yeah. You know, I mean, well, and there are some fans that are doing it out of anger because they feel betrayed sure. by the way JJ treated the series and the way that the Kelvin timeline has, has evolved. And, you know, um, they're they're you know, and that the, and, and that they're very clearly trying to appeal to an action movie fan base. They're not, and they're trying to, you know, give Star Trek fans what they think they want, but while appealing to a broader audience, as opposed to just making good Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know? it's and I think Star Trek Beyond was the closest thing to just, you know, let's make good Star Trek, and then we'll add this other stuff in because the studio wants it. And well, so we'll have I... an action sequence because the studio wants it. But but at the at its core, it's a compelling story. And I want to be clear, I'm not even talking about quality. We can debate all day about quality. I know people who love Star Trek Into Darkness, and that's fine. What I'm talking about is just numbers. Like, like for Star Trek to... Because ju- what I want is more Star Trek. It's always what I want. And for Star Trek to justify its existence from a business point of view, for it to justify a, we're going to spend all this money to make this show that's pretty expensive. You know, there's, yeah. there's, you know, when I look back at Battlestar Galactica, and I love Battlestar, let me be clear... I loved the finale of Battlestar and I'm in the minority, but I loved it. But ultimately we got to a point where there was this really interesting spinoff called Caprica um, that uh, started out shaky and then ended up getting really good and then just kind of got cut off at the knees. Um, And, and ultimately like there's no more, there's going to be a different Battlestar at this point, but it's not going to be more of what I wanted. And, and I want there to be, you know, I, I love continuity. I love the idea that it's all still, even the Kelvin timeline is part of the big story because it's mm-hmm. a spinoff from like, it's aspects of the prime timeline exist in the Kelvin timeline. Yes. And so it's all one big thing. I don't want them to get to the point where they finally throw out the bathwater and go, you know what? We're going to wait 20 years and here is a brand new Star Trek. Yep. You know, and I don't want that. Like, it's a world I think is rich enough. We have done... Check this shit out. Check this fucking shit out. 
we have done like like about 10% as many hours of Trek off as there is actual hours of Star Trek. For every for every like hour of Star Trek that has existed, we've come up with 6 minutes of Trek off just to fucking talk about it. Yeah. And our show is a very specific kind kind of fucking thing. Yep. Like it's like like there are shows like Upper Pylon 2 where they do like episode by episode for like an hour and a half. It's a rich world and and I'm afraid for it. I'm afraid yeah. for that world and I want it to like be successful. And so it's for well, that reason that I'm I'm concerned about it. Just just cutting be mindful off. of what fear can lead to. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to jar jar binks. Um Anyway, I think that's that's a good place to to leave the conversation. I want to actually leave on one more note, um, Mr. A. Uh, um, I want to state on behalf of everybody who's who's listened to the show, mm. um, what an important part you are of it. Oh, um, you know. Uh, and, and no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because you know everybody stopped listening like 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want I want to be I want to be clear about this that that. Uh, that you know when lis- listeners know know you especially the people who who come on facebook and 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 say stuff and 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 you know our our main loyal folks who are out there who who like james and scott and mike and you know people you know, brett and people have been listening over the time they, i mean everybody knows you and who you are um and i'm excited that you've been on the show um uh and i want to say from the bottom of my heart when we're doing a live show shut the fuck up i <laughs> know um i uh, i i appreciate uh everything that you brought to the show and i look forward to five more awesome years with uh with alexia and with you right beside us so thank you for all that i'm glad i'm so glad we finally got you on hey the pleasure's all mine and it's been fun coming on the show and in five more years i'll do another one um uh coming up um right uh right after this uh episode uh, we're coming right into the Christmas season. Um, so uh, if you want to be super generous to us um, and to uh, people who you love, um, I would suggest going on Amazon and uh, getting a copy of Trek off. Why don't you go do that? Um, yeah. If you go to Amazon.com uh, and you Lots just of cool special features on that disc. And you just look up the word Trek off. Um, let's say you don't want a disc. Let's say you don't do this. That's fine. Uh, you can just rent it. Um, for just a couple bucks. But uh, if you, you have like a special someone in your life that loves foul mouth language and you think might like our show and you know, you could like this, send them a little special something and wrap it up and put a little note on it. By the time this episode comes out, um, it will probably be like two weeks before Christmas. Uh, just go on Amazon and go look up truck off the motion picture. Um, uh, or maybe you're like, fuck, I don't want to buy shit. I want to watch shit for free. Watch it on Prime. Like, man, if you're up late and you're drinking the Nog, ha, like Nog, um, and you're, uh, hi, wow. Aaron Eisenberg. I, I know. And you know, Aaron Eisenberg is, is awesome. We're friends on Facebook and he's so cool. Um, uh, but uh, but if you're if you're rapping presents and you're up late and, you, and you're enjoying the Nog, you know what? Watch a little Trek off for free if you want to. That helps us too, believe it or not. Um, share the word. Let people know the show is out there. Uh, if you're like, "Fuck, Christmas is expensive. I can't buy anything." You know what? This, and you want to help us? Just go on Amazon, leave a review on the movie, or go on iTunes and leave a re- review on the podcast. That's free, and and in return, like hundreds of hours of free funny shit for you to listen to. 
and so look man that's all um uh and of course trek off for free on prime um anything else you want to talk about no i think you i think you covered it there cool man all right well uh uh <laughs> for alexia um uh this is mr a and my name is justin trek off trek off that's bitches it. he said it he's allowed of course he's allowed um and uh and uh alexia get better okay bye trek off okay. bye bye, bye. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.